This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Luke. Hi, I'm Juliana. And we're going to talk about new releases, recent arrivals, or what we've been listening to lately, uh, what we've been reading, and catch up because it's been a long time. I, I don't know how long it's been since I did a new releases, recent arrivals, but it's been incredibly long. I know mostly these days the SFF audio podcast. I'm, I'm not maybe not putting the right number of S's and F's in there, uh, but it's mostly been a Philip K. Dick um, uh, <laughs> podcast recently. Well, we we have been doing a lot. Yeah. Um, because we're, we've got sort of a project to go through all of his novels. Yeah. And we've had a few digressions into uh, long novelettes and novellas. Mm. And uh, it's incredibly fun. I don't know how fun it is for individual listeners, but um, I assume that everybody just picks and chooses rather than listens to uh, particular episodes any you know back to back anyways. I know that that's not true for everyone. Yeah, well, I kind of expect that with my show as well. People are going to go, oh, I've not read that, so I'm not going to bother. Or, oh, that's an author I'm interested in, and, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, Yeah, so. with mm-hmm. Philip K. Dick, it's also, you know, the the famous ones. Yeah. And then maybe mm-hmm. it's fun to listen to stuff that you don't actually know so well. Yeah, I mean, there's some episodes, I mean, I've not certainly not listened to all of them, not even the majority of the Philip K. Dick episodes of you, that you've done. But when it is a book that I've read or I've re- reviewed myself, or it's a book that I, yeah, like you say, it's kind of, kind of like, oh, I don't know, or like, oh, I've heard about that one, but don't know anything about it. And then I'll listen to you guys chatting about it. Uh, We're having so a lot cool. of fun with it. And one of the, one of the things I, I want to work on more that we haven't uh, had much uh, work done on, <laughs> but is very fun to think about is uh, we've got a Google Doc up uh, that I'm calling the Philip K. Dick Rhetorizer, which is um, basically it's going to be a spreadsheet that shows all the books. And then on the left-hand side, sort of all the uh, recurring motifs or um, phrases. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, because he has, you know, these writerly ticks that, you know, he just can't not put in. <laughs> so is it going to be like a TV tropes? Yeah, but very specific to Philip K. Dick. And um, what's so funny is once you start, you know, seeing them, if you read a bunch of books back to back, you say, well, you know, that's one of them. Right. But they're hilarious because some of them are, you know, Mm -hmm. aliens like the Wub um, and the Wub can be different in every book, different shape, different abilities. But the word the Wub is still in like half a dozen books oh, okay but never it's just a, like a he was like his placeholder name for uh oh i'm gonna need an alien character lub yeah and or then, didn't, no, then didn't go back through and do a find and replace on lub with the new alien name yeah. but sometimes you, yeah. you come up with a word and you just like the word yeah exactly yeah exactly it's from his very first story and there's another case where uh he wrote galactic pot healer after having written a children's book that didn't sell that's the glimmung isn't it yeah nick and the glimmung and the glimmung in nick and the glimmung is completely different kind of glimmung than uh the glimmung in galactic pot healer and seeing the two compared and yet set on the same world and with similar monsters or aliens um and even having a similar you know book of the Kalins or uh sometimes called one summer day <laughs> you've got us like see this guy is it, it's it is it's like telepathy going into somebody's mind you can see a record of his thought in 
in yeah. doing a project like this. And so, yeah, I don't have to apologize too much because it's so good. <laughs> you're not you're not doing them in order, are you? Or are you just doing them as you feel like it? Oh, roughly in or roughly in order. Uh, but the problem is, publication order is not uh, exactly clear in all cases, and written order is not clear. So we're just going to cover everything, I think. Yeah. Yeah. How many? How many are there then? <sighs> probably fifty. Yeah. We're, we probably got about twenty-five. Yeah. Or halfway through them. Six. Yeah, yeah. At least Maybe. halfway. Through. I'd and say. then, and then, how many of the short stories are you going to do as well? I say, like, as you reduce Indeed. the number of words that you want to do, yeah, yeah. Well, we've done we've done a few. What's so funny is the last one we did is called uh, was on a story called Second Variety, which got turned into a movie uh, called Screamers. Yeah, and which I actually didn't... really enjoyed that movie. Yeah, yeah. It, it, well, it's, it's, not, it's really not a great movie, but it's story. it's it's like a Philip K. Dick movie, which you go, oh, okay. Well, there's something you know. There's a bit <laughs> more to chew on than just monsters underground but it's not a horror movie yeah yeah it is it, it is. is kind of it is kind of a horror movie it's sci-fi it's... psychological thriller horror oh. m- monster no not so much monster well kind of monstery kind of bit but not really yeah horror. and it's got androids in it and yep. it's it's very thought it's very thoughtful even though it's military sort of sf but what what's so interesting about the show we did on that story is we actually didn't talk about much about the story because there's a sequel that is the terrible story, but a very interesting story. <laughs> and then there's a sequel to the movie, which is a terrible movie, but it sort of ties into the sequel and to other uh, things that are related to the story. So it, it, it's, uh, it's a very fun exercise, and I'm really enjoying doing it. We're also doing a lot of Lovecraft as well, but yeah. Yeah. We are mixing it up. There are some other things in there. Well, this episode should be, I mean, we shouldn't keep talking about Philip K. Dick too much if this is meant to be the, everybody's break <laughs> from one. Philip K. Dick. Will right. you do, like when, when we've done some writing projects, like we did all of the culture series and we did like a, we did like a, a wrap up show at the end of it. I mean, that's only 10 books or 11 books or whatever we did, isn't it? But, uh, yeah. uh, but we then did a wrap up show kind of saying what's our favorite. Are you going to do that when you get to the end if there is an end mm. of philip k dick will you do like a, a wrap-up show and say oh we think these were the best books but these were our best episodes will you give that a go to mm-hmm. give us all a guide of what to what to listen to i i think that that's probably a good idea we'll probably call it a topic or something you know the best of philip k dick or something like that because uh what's funny is marissa and paul and i all have different opinions on each of the books you know uh, i'll say is this in the top half or the bottom half and We'll completely disagree, but we all enjoyed the book and then in anyways. The end, and in the end, you all say, oh, actually, listen to all of them. <laughs> well, I can never I can never predict, no. especially with a book that I've read. I mean, a book that I've not read, I don't know who's going to like it or not like it, but I can never predict which one of you is going to like a book and call it, like, you know, top-level Philip K. Dick or, you know, mm-hmm. minor Philip K. Dick. I never know which one of you is going to come down on what side of that. So mm-hmm. that's good fun. It All is right. very. It is very fun. Yeah, we well, the other project that I did, which we I did a wrap up episode, was the uh, the Hugula Award winners, where I made sure I I read every book which had won both a Hugo and a Nebula Award, um, and then I did. A, I, think, I, did a, I think that that was a much more painful exercise for you than this Philip K. Dick project. Yeah, I mean, because like the the culture series read through was great because you know Ian and Banks is one of my favorite authors, and I got a lot new things out of those. You know, certainly some You've of those. Pretty much read all of them. Before. Well, I'd read all of them before, yeah. but to go back and reread them again, uh, like in order, not in publication order, or but in in the order, my order, order, my order <laughs> that I think is the better order. You know, so you don't start with the worst book, which was the first one that he wrote and published. Um, 
but yeah, the Hugulers. I mean, I just didn't even. I some of them like Doomsday Book by Connie Willis. I read the uh, like the opening chapter. Oh, what is it the um, the Kindle preview of like the first chapter and the second chapter started, and I was like, nope, and <laughs> literally just stopped. <laughs> I was like, wow, I can't even get to the end of the Kindle sample uh, or the iBook sample or whatever it was that I was reading. So, uh, yes, a little bit more painful. I, I've been listening to some things that I haven't been doing shows on. I, I try not to do that. Um, but those are so basically, I, I don't keep up with a lot of modern stuff, as you guess, probably know. But, um, yep. There's a couple things that I, you know, I'm just so interested in reading. I have to read it so I get the audiobook. One of them I want to talk about is, uh, called The Writing on the Wall. This is, uh, by Tom Standage. He has written a bunch of other books that I've read. I basically am reading everything he writes these days. Um, and it's about the history of, I want to say, social media. It's not exactly social media, but okay. uh, media. And yeah. it goes all the way back into ancient history, um, basically starting with the, the writings on the walls of um, Pompeii. And Herculaneum. Uh, oh, okay, um, yeah, the graffiti there, the penis graffiti, and all of that kind of stuff. Well, not just the penis graffiti, but also like um, for a good time. See, you know, oh right, okay, yeah. Um, you know the, the the graffiti you would see, um, and apparently this was like for them, it was not you know something the police would come and arrest you for. It was common practice because there was a public and a private sphere, and you know you're. Your house didn't have any windows facing the street. They were all yeah. facing inward. And so it was common practice and, and accepted and it was valued, right? And then the book sort of documents how the Romans, uh, who could afford it, and many could because they are slave society, would use their slaves to copy news letters. They were literally news letters. Um, from one city to other cities to friends and uh, relatives in other cities. And this is like basically journalism and newspapers before any such thing could possibly exist. Oh, okay. But they had a, no, no system of copyright. And the way you would get published and famous is by people to spontaneously start copying your books. Oh, okay. um, you'd lend a book to a friend. You have your slaves copy it over. And then it progresses into uh, the 17th century. It goes all through all through the history of it. Yeah. It, it's 17th century where newspapers start up and how stamp taxes in different countries. But what's so amazing is I love Tom Standage because he's one of the editors of the of the Economist, and Economist deals with you know modern day sort of issues in a very thoughtful way that you don't see in a lot of newspapers yeah. or magazines, and he always writes books about how technology and history intersect. And they're always looking at how either, you know, the introduction of new foods come into effect. There's a book uh, uh, about food he's written. He wrote one about drinks as, you know, tea yeah. and coffee and cola. I've read A History him. of the World in Six Glasses. That's right. That's by him. I think I've read it. If not, I've, you know, I've read the uh, uh, the New Yorker magazine extracts or whatever it is yeah, I, don't, I don't know what it would be you know it's one of those kind of books which you uh, 
you, you, you hear about on podcasts and stuff. And also the Victorian internet, that's the one that I know. That, when, you talk, one, yeah. when you were talking about the in Pompeii of people copying stuff, I was like, oh, yes, the uh, this reminds me of someone who wrote about the Victor, And it's the same guy, Tom Standage wrote exactly. that. Exactly, yep. This is, this, is this is the one you sent me uh, uh, hmm? across, right? The Victorian yep. internet? Sounds I think that's his best. I mean, I, I really like the history in the world of six classes, and um, I can't remember the one titled about food, but it's the same. It's the same thing. Is you can see he got interested in something, and then he wrote a whole book on that, and then something in there connected to this other book, and it's just full of information that really enlightens you into history that sort of is being ignored. Yeah, I uh, thought it was in incredible about the Victorian internet is in London. They say, well, like if you go, well, I'm going to send some by post. You think, well, so sending something by post is very slow. But then you go, mm -hmm. well, well, how many times do the post is the post delivered per day? And for us, it's mm -hmm. once per day and not on Saturdays and Sundays or whatever. Right. But there was sort of like people were getting messages delivered like 25 times a day, you know, to these big houses where, or these apartments where lots mm. of people lived. It was like, yeah, it was like when there was a message, the message got sent, you know, yeah. that was... Uh, mm -hmm. That was that was it. So, uh, so yeah. would you say it's it's more a uh, his, historical work, or is it more like entertaining? Like, uh, uh, I, I sort of think of this, I think no, it's nonfiction for sure. Um, but I, I see this kind of. I mean, this is a, it's a relatively rare kind of nonfiction because they're relatively short books. They're very um, much about getting the interesting facts in there rather than just making you know fill pages. Um, and it's on a, as wide a topic as can fit in that book. So uh, there's a few other authors like that that, you know, I will follow because they've got a new book out. And sometimes the book is better than the previous one or sometimes not. You know, I'll read anything by Jared Diamond because even when he's sort of covering the same territory in a slightly different way, um, there's tons of new information that just is just fascinating. And I find that entertaining. It's educational, which I think is entertaining. And it is an audiobook, so we can talk about it. It is, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is read by uh, Simon Vance. and um, We're all a fan of Simon Vance, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's my, uh, my most current listen. Uh, all right. What have you guys been listening to? Well, I started listening to a book called We by, and you're going to tell mm. the name of the thing because I don't have it in front of me. Yevgeny Zemyatin. Yes, because, uh, oh, there it is. And it's a six hours and 56 minute audio book. And this is one that is so famous for being like, oh, this is one of the first big dystopian novels and it was an influence on 1984 and things like that. And I got part of the way into it and I was hoping for something like 1984, which I still love. I think it's one of the greatest one of the greatest novels of the 20th century, you know, it's, it's an amazing work and it still has this massive relevance to today um, rather than uh, something like uh, A Brave New World, which I find very difficult in a writing way, writing style and a little bit too preachy, uh, like the preachiness gets in the way of telling a good story or an interesting story. And it's kind of backed up by the idea that, um, uh, quick author's name of that one, uh, Yevgeny Zemyatin. No, 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 no. Of, George Orwell. Uh, George Orwell. No, the other one. What, the other Huxley. One? Huxley. Huxley, that's it. Ah. So Huxley, <laughs> he kind of, you know, in his second edition of that book, he kind of explained why he was right about predicting the future. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's what I didn't didn't like about that. And I was like, okay, what? where is we going to fall into this one? And and it turns out it's just a, one of those books which I found a little bit difficult to get into. 
and mm-hmm. it felt like the um it felt like the dystopian it's an early dystopian but it's one of those things where sometimes the earliest version of something or one of the early versions of something it can be massively influential but when you go back and look at it you go ah that's not actually you know it's not as good or as interesting as i was hoping it to be but i'm only about an hour into or an hour and a half into a 6 hour audiobook so a 7 hour audiobook so i might push through with that one but it's not immediately grabbing me in ways that uh, I like books to grab me. Does so. it, does I, I think you should stick with it. Okay. It's got, it's got, I read through it. I read it for the podcast. Um, we had Eric Rabkin on. He wrote a uh, big essay on this, this novel. And I hadn't heard of it before he had told me Jenny about it. Jenny was on it as well. Jenny was on it. Yep. And I think we found it uh, even more relevant for, uh, I, I like 1984, but it's not our world. Uh, Brave New World, I think, was more about the 60s than it is about now. Yeah. Um, and I think we is more about uh, now and the future than any other of these dystopian y- yeah, books. My point is that I don't want it, them to be about now. I want them just to make me think about things in a different way. You know, not about now, but it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be predictive. It doesn't have to be about now. It doesn't have to be about the future. Well, it's not predictive. It's it's uh, it's a it's about what what it's like to live in a world where you have no privacy. Right. Yeah, that was very clear. Everything's transparent. The yeah. walls of your apartment are transparent. The walls yeah. of your office are transparent. Yeah. Uh, um. The even. They're working on making your skull transparent. Right. Right. Anyway, I haven't got all the way into it, but I did find some of those things where you kind of scheduled to have you're like you don't choose to do anything. You're scheduled to meet up with people, and you're scheduled like your dates are scheduled, and when you have sex is all scheduled and stuff like that. It felt to, uh, I again, you know, it didn't immediately grab me, but I guess if I keep going, it'll probably uh, probably carry on. So that's that's one plan. Uh, Juliana, where have you got a book that you want to talk I, about? I just wanted to say it's a fun fact that you marked it uh, as to read on Goodreads uh, in July 2011. Me? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of books it's hang around in my to read list yeah. and uh, and on my Amazon. Uh, no, not on my Amazon. On my Goodreads um, to read list and my Audible wish list and things like that. There's books that go, yeah, ages. Like, when did you add this? <laughs> yeah. When I first started Goodreads or I started going on Goodreads, it might have been in that. So, yeah. Uh, so I have a, a little bit of a a little bit of a problem here. I um I recently paused my Audible uh, account. Um, I actually wanted to to cancel it because I paid ten euros every month, got a credit, and I just don't listen as fast as I get the credits to all the books that I got for the credits. Mm-hmm. So I now have in my in my Audible account, like one in my library, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, about fifteen books that I haven't <laughs> listened to. So I paused my my account to kind of um, catch up with yeah. the books that I have. And um, so, uh, your yeah. problem is my problem is that I don't have specific long time slots in my daily life that where it fits to listen to audiobooks. Like mm-hmm. Luke does it like, well, kind of like uh, everywhere he goes. Well, yeah. I listen. I listen to podcasts, but yeah, when I'm traveling, I'll stick on an audio book. When I go to bed at night, I'll put on an audio book to to sleep and stuff like that. When I'm out running, I'll listen to a podcast or an audio book. If I'm cleaning and stuff, you know, it's just sort of like it's. I I just for me, it's kind of like an uh, uh, an easy activity. Is it is not a default activity, but it's kind of easy when I'm just hanging yeah. out. Um, well, I try always be listening. 
I tried listening while I was doing workouts in the gym and I found myself just drifting off with my thoughts to mm. counting how many uh, repetitions I did. And then, of course, I lost the, con the, the content of the book. Yeah. So I tried that. And like the, the few parts where I do it is when I go to my parents by car, which is about <laughs> half an hour drive. Yeah, yeah, that's not enough. And no. if we're driving there together, we'll listen yeah. to an audio book that we're listening to each with the with the two of us. Yeah. Like if we're listening to an audio book or a podcast that, like, I was like, oh, I I've got a fun thing that I want to, you know, this could be a fun episode of a podcast, and I'll put that on sometimes when we're driving around. But yeah, it's well, I can give you some advice if you'd like. Yeah. Uh, first, first piece of advice is get short books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good idea. This is why we so have I'm the looking... expression. That's how how many Jesses is that? Because <laughs> uh, a Jesse is what? It's like six hours. Is that what you say? Yeah, six, seven, eight, eight hours. Yeah, book, right. Is one Jesse? Um, so on, I'm looking at your list. Half a Jesse. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at your list, Juliana, and uh, the Martian Chronicles in German. That's yeah. a, a full Jesse in length. I I would say. I would say a lot of the other ones are at least two Jessies or three. Yeah. Um, um, and I can get through a lot more books. Uh, I, I used to have a, a reading contest at my school with my students. And I would, um, you know, it wasn't based on how many books you read. It was how thick the book was. <laughs> so if you'd have like, we just like have a, a monthly stat and you would see like the pile of books sort of represented on a, on a chart and oh, saying, if you like, read a whole bunch of centimeters of book you read through yeah the <laughs> thickness is of, the, of the spine um and i i would read comics which also would make it harder for them because <laughs> you can get through a lot more pages of comics of course so although i, I always read comics twice i first always look through the pictures first and then mm, i go back and yeah read it <laughs> but still it doesn't take it that it doesn't take that that much in, in any case besides Picking shorter books, which I, I think is a good idea because it makes you every time you finish a really good book, you're like, oh, that was awesome. Right. Um, and yeah. even when you're not even when you're not finished, uh, uh, even if the book is good and it's long, you still enjoy finishing. Finishing is fun. Of course. Um, so on top of that, I would also suggest um, you get a player for the shower. I spend a lot of time in the shower. Oh, um, really? I, I spend I enjoy like showering. 10 minutes. <laughs> I enjoy showering. Um, I go, you know, I have a shower in the morning. Then I go to the gym. Listen while I'm at the gym. Usually uh, the way I would solve your problem is don't listen to anything. that won't really engage you there because that's a place that's easily distractible. So podcasts are usually better in the gym than audiobooks, I find. Yeah. Um, sort of newsy, you know, current eventy sort of podcasts. Uh, are better at the gym and if you if you lose the thread um it's okay it's a podcast yeah right? i'm i'm much more if i'm doing something where i might be distracted or i might have to pause or look at something else podcast that's the only way to do for me because again if i miss mm -hmm. something it doesn't matter whereas a book i i can only put a book on where i know i've got a span of time where that's the only thing i'm thinking of even though i'm doing something else yeah if it's the only thing i'm thinking of an audio book will, will work, you know? Yeah. What I found is that also like it, on this list, there's a, f a few different sections. You have uh, English books that are in English and then you have English books that are in German and then you have German books that are in German. And, um, but what I found always is that even though I'm pretty good in English, but when it's an English audiobook, it's, it's harder for me to, to 
kind of yeah, it's more work. make my brain uh, get a story, a, a living story, which is always what happens. I always, when I read a book, I always have a, a movie in my head. And if mm. in, in English audiobooks, it's sometimes more difficult to get into. And if it's only short term listening, then I get into it and then immediately it stops again. Mm. <laughs> I'm not really in it. So, mm-hmm. but also I, I uh, it's quite hard to find books that are short and interest me. So I, uh, we listened to a few Alistair Reynolds books and I also listened to, um, to the, uh, Pandora star. Uh, they're massive books. They're, they're chunky books. books. Yeah. But I had so much fun listening to them and I really, really, I mean, it took me a long time. But I got through. Yeah, same with the Otherland. No, Otherworld. No, was Otherland. it Otherland book as yeah. well? That was like a forty-hour audio, forty-eight-hour audio book for me. Did you read that one? Or did yeah, you? Yeah, I. There's a German audio play which I have the second version. Oh, of yeah. the second book. In oh, yeah. Now. There was an audio play version, yeah. and then a. And then I read it. A, but that was good because in German. Yeah, because the uh, you already had the story kind of is the overall story fixed in your head with the with the audio production with yes. the, the audio play production. Yeah. yeah, it gave quite a nice overview. Jesse, another good thing I just realized you said get a player for the shower. Yeah, yep. bathroom. Yeah, in the bathroom. Guess what phone? Guess what happened to Juliana's phone uh, last oh. month? No, oh. it didn't go in the toilet, did it? It did. Oh but no! I always thought, yeah, you know, like, oh fuck, that is just hilarious thing to do. How yeah. do you How do that? How can anyone ever drop their phone in the and toilet? And then How does you that forget even your phone in the back pocket of your trousers, and there it goes right oh, into no. it. By pulling your trousers down, it popped out of the back exactly. pocket and then yeah. plopped into it. Plopped in. So that was an iPhone five, five. which now longer. The microphone well, the, and speaker doesn't the work. The speaker doesn't work. So anyway, but Juliana's got herself a new phone, which is an iPhone 7, which is waterproof. So actually, this is this is the key thing. I often mm-hmm. listen to podcasts in the shower. And the way that I do it is I just I just balance the uh, my phone like up on a little, there's like a little mirror thing in, in the <laughs> shower. Yeah, and I just put it on the top there so I can listen mm-hmm. to the, listen to the, uh, to the audio book there. And the, um, the, I've got a case and the speaker kind of faces down. So there's no water's going to go into the speaker if I put it All in the right. right direction, even splash it. Yeah, yeah Juliana's got an iPhone 7, which is waterproof and she could just like stick I it in I kind of don't trust it. Don't trust. I would say I would say you probably want to just you know you want probably want to get a dedicated case case booster. No, no, like I have a uh, a Sony device. I don't know if they make them anymore. It's a it's got a lightning dock on it. I've actually got like four of them, one at each computer, one in the bathroom, one in the bedroom. Right. Oh, and, and you so just put your phone on it. I put it on it 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 automatically starts playing through the speakers, which can you know, overcome the sound of the water. Um, and the thing is, is I'm incredibly well-groomed. <laughs> and the reason I'm well-groomed is because I like to go have a shower because I have a great audiobook or podcast or whatever. <laughs> and uh, once I'm in there, um, you know, I, I can take my time. Oh, it's time to shave, right? What else? Oh, I can do my nails, right? Yeah. You know, <laughs> so it's like I go to the nail shop and listen to an audiobook. Uh, I don't actually go to the nail shop. I do it myself, but yeah. I can spend a half hour in there and it's, that's a half hour of, of audiobook. Yeah. But well, I, I also that, get a I benefit. That cleaning and housework and stuff like exactly. that. Exactly. the only way I can ever do housework because if I'm just thinking about housework, I kind mm-hmm. of, uh, I kind of, but if it's a good base. book, just like at the gym, if you're in a, if you've got a really good book, the time flies by and you don't notice it. Right. But but in the gym, like I uh, I'm not going currently, but um, I I tried it and then 
because of the repetitions that I have to kind of count along, mm. I, I just can't focus on it. I I always find myself just uh, at some point just saying in my head one, two, three, and mm-hmm. then I'm and I'm off. So well, I, you got You got music. Yeah, I would say get, get something that is uh, you know fascinating, and then what you'll find is you can't keep track of how many lifts you've done, but you will notice that your arms are getting tired. <laughs> so you, <laughs> you mean I should I mean? forget? I for, should forget, forget that, the, the gym yeah. activity. Yeah, uh, that's I, I hate. It's so boring at the gym. <laughs> I mean, people there they often have antiperspirant. It's really stinky. That's you know coming into effect. <laughs> the conversation is uh incredibly dull and you know there's music playing in the background yeah but then but, i also get distracted by the tvs that are hanging yep. there and oh, then yeah, i'm watching oh that's what i find is that if i'm if if i'm in the gym and i'm on a on a treadmill no i don't do treadmill but i do the the exercise bikes and things so mm-hmm. if i'm on an exercise bike i can't listen to an audiobook if there is any movie screen or tv screen or sports screen or news screen anything like that if it's an audiobook i can't have moving pictures around me and listen to an audiobook but a podcast i can because podcasts i can listen to a podcast and and watch a uh you know in the gym there's like a baseball game playing or mm-hmm. some new or yeah. like a, a, i've actually Podcaster. seen there's a few movies which i've only ever seen in the gym in the gym <laughs> silence there was the one of the transformers movies was just always on on loop in the gym and it was on okay. which the screens there so i so i've seen um i've not heard the music or the dialogue or anything like that but i've seen quite a few of the action sequences in various um Oops, oh, someone's sorry, drilling next to it. It won't be able to hear it. Um, no. So, yeah, and there's a few other movies like that where I've seen them. Uh, you know, I, ha- I just have to imagine my own dialogue and imagine my own soundtracks and stuff. Yeah, but the problem with that is that in, in the gyms I went to, it's not only one screen. You have, like, a whole wall. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Blasted the- with different screens would show different things. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. matter where you it's look. It's true. You can, yeah. The only thing is you can close your eyes. This is the only way to... Yeah. I found I found another way to do it is you, you bring the, the flyers, you know, from like, you know, the grocery stores and that sort of thing. You listen to your book, you look at the flyers. <laughs> if you're on a machine like a bike or a treadmill or a elliptical, you can do that. Um, you can't do that, obviously, if you're lifting weights or using yeah. a machine. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there, there's lots of little tricks, but... Uh, this isn't only about how to listen to more. It's also about what we're listening to. We got anything else? Uh, recent listens? Did you get uh, anything listened to li- recently, Juliana? Well, the last book I listened to was Pavan, I think. Yeah, we talked oh, about. Right. We did. We did reading envy. Sorry about this, but Jenny got our recent readings, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. audiobook <laughs> listens. Um, I got just a few things and uh, a few of the things that I want to pop in here. I, mm-hmm. I just said my Audible wish list goes back many years. I just actually looked back to the, the first things that I added to my Audible wish list, which were on the eighth, or, or the, the 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 first things which still remain here uh, were sixth of uh, oh yeah, an American date. Yeah, so the sixth of August. Um, talking about Philip K. Dick, Blade Runner, um, mm-hmm. as it's called on Audible. It's not called uh, anything to do with electric sheep. Um, and then the Martian Chronicles. So that's quite funny that those those two of those books. There's a few others that I added on that same day. Classics. Yep. 
uh, and Redemption Arc, which I've actually listened to, but yeah, I think it was a uh, that was Juliana's one of her, your credits, wasn't it? I think yeah. so. So that's why it's still in my wish list and not in my purchase list. So uh, yeah, so a few a few books there. So maybe I'll actually get to them at some point. You um, haven't listened to the Marsh Martian Chronicles? No, I mean I've read it before, but I've never listened to it as an audiobook. And it actually I, it was added so long ago. It says this item is not currently available for purchase on Audible.com. We apologize <laughs> for the inconvenience. <laughs> There's actually some books which are no longer. I added so long ago they're no longer available. That's quite. Um, oh no. Yeah. Well, um, Jesse asked about a book that I had uh, recently listened to. Uh, there's a, um, a list of books by a German, he calls himself political comedy writer. And he's also a musician doing like small art kind of or kind of things. And he writes a, a hilarious series about um, his life together with uh, his roommate, which is a, I quote here, pragmatically communist kangaroo. <laughs> and and these books are so funny. It's like little stories within the book. So you have different episodes. They are spending time here and there or go shopping or do anything. And um, that kangaroo is just so hilarious and it ha has like these these little uh, things where they go to a party and, and uh, uh, the guy, the author always says, and please don't uh, say anything about politics. And in the end, like he, he drives the car of the, um, of the host into the swimming pool and says, look, this is art. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. And he recently, um, he recently published a book in English as well. I'm not sure if it works for non-Germans reading these books. It, it does have, uh, because it is, has the communist side thing and it's very, Uh, critically towards uh, capitalism in all kinds of ways. Mm. I'm not sure if, if English people would get it, but... Yeah, it's an interesting sort of, you know, everybody who was wanted to stay East German, uh, you know, keep the society that was there, they didn't really get a choice, did they? Not really. It was all like kind of everything was bad kind of we're assimilated but, um, but it's not so much about it's not so much about wanting the society back it's more about criticizing capitalism that's more what it is about what's the series um, called um it's the kangaroo chronicles oh right okay and it is it is just really funny because you can see that there's a person behind that uh, kangaroo but because he describes it as the kangaroo and it's always like oh and then uh, I talked to my uh, shrink and he was always not taking me seriously and then one day the kangaroo came along and then my shrink got insane himself <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's just some really funny funny little moments and um, my mom actually listens to them before she goes to bed to uh -huh. kind of Uh, having a, a good laughter at the end of the day so she can sleep really well. And sometimes mm. I just listen to it with her and it's always so funny. I always laugh out loud. So it's like end the day in a good mood. Yeah, totally. I have a similar uh, method. You know, I, I have a bedside player as well. And I, I tend to listen to audio drama right before I go to sleep. The good thing about audio drama is they're relatively short. So if you lose your spot, it's easy to find it. True. Whereas if you've got an audio book that's, you know, 18 hours long, um, you have a problem because once you go to sleep, you've gone to sleep for eight hours, but you don't know what part of the book you fell asleep at. I, I just um, use a sleep timer. There's a there's sleep timer in the Audible app. Which a, is kind of, yeah. Kind of handy. The, that, I'll never be more than the other hand, 15 minutes away from where I was. On the other hand, um, 
the great thing about audio drama as opposed to just a regular audiobook is um, audio dramas are inherently of television without a picture, right? Or movies without a picture. And so yeah. you close your eyes to listen to them in the daytime and it's the same picture as, you know, with your eyes open and his eyes closed. Um, and I find it incredibly fun to, you know, find a good audio drama and listen to. I, I, there aren't that many great ones, but one of my favorites, um, they just announced uh, that they're, instead of doing uh, a Halloween special and a Christmas special, which they've done for years and years, um, they're going to finally do a third season, which is is great news because I've been stuck on 21 episodes. <laughs> I know them backwards and forwards. It's of which really series good. is this, sorry? It's called The Monster Hunters. Oh, yeah, you've set, talked about these before, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's set in 1971 and 1972, and each of the episodes is one kind of monster, like, you know, uh, werewolf or Dracula or, you know, all the different kinds of monsters that are available. Um, and they're often, I didn't realize this when I first started listening to them, but they're often incredibly closely associated with a particular movie and jokes uh, about a particular movie will be sort of in there. They're really dense with material. Each episode's about 40 minutes long. And I'm very excited that I'm going to have something more to listen to than the 21 episodes I've sort of been cycling through um, over the last three or four years every night. That's uh, a lot of repeat listening. Um, so yeah, in German, there's uh, there are a few of these audio plays, and you might have heard. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a, a a friend who's a comedy uh, stand-up comedian, and he makes actually jokes about this because it is a uh, it, it is called the three question marks. So um, in and German, in German, die drei Fragezeichen, and that's a very well-known uh, audio play series, and it's ongoing for a long time. It started when the when the three main characters were boys when they were young and it's about the 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 three of them being a criminal a, a crime uh solving agency they're detectives mm -hmm. and uh so this is ongoing since since like the 80s or 70s even and um it's very short it's a young adults kind of thing but yeah is that course, associated with alfred hitchcock um, well, the three investigators it is, is associated, that but it is not really Alfred Hitchcock. And right. also, it is all everything is kind of in English, and it's taking mm -hmm. place in a. In no, it's a, all in German, but it's taking in place a, in California. Yeah, it's taking place in California. Mm -hmm. These guys have kind of English-sounding names, and mm -hmm. but by now, the the main characters are, of course, adult people. The actors. The mm -hmm. actors. Yeah. And uh, so that's that's quite fun. And these are quite short. Like, this is the kind of thing that um, Germans would do to just, like, listen to on the evenings. Yeah. Die drei Fragezeichen. Mm. Yeah. It, but it's, it's become like the Perry Roden of audio dramas. It just keeps going, <laughs> keeps going, and keeps yeah, going. Yeah, they do like the series over there, don't yeah. they? Yeah. And do you know, and the one that is it's called John Sinclair. Mm-hmm. It's one it's of like the characters. Kind of, no, no, no! Oh. It's a different one. It's a different audio play, oh, okay. ongoing thing. It's a, it's kind of horror. Mm. Did he invent the Segway? Oh no, that's someone else. No, I don't know. No, but I'm, just, I'm, just I'm not a John Sinclair thing because I'm not a fan because I'm just not. All right, I've got another book that I want to talk about. Should okay. I do it? Well, yep. actually, this this is one that I'm reading at the moment or listening to at the moment, which I will do an SFF audio podcast about it. But it was weird that it started strong. 
and it got re- but then I was all like, well, the story hasn't really started yet. And you know those books which like it seems to be laying a lot of groundwork and introducing to the characters, and you're like, but nothing's mm-hmm. really going forward. Like there's they're not doing anything, they're not aiming towards anything, they're just kind of learning and growing up and stuff. And then actually they started on this adventure and I immediately lost interest. And I was like, oh, that's a real pity. All the way through the first half of the book, I was like, but when are they going to do something? When are they going to go somewhere? Where are they going to do something? And then they started doing that. And I find it really, now it's like way more, like way less interesting. Um, mm. So, uh, of course, I'll talk about it. The book's called Who Fears Death by Nnedi Okorafor. And... Um, it's like post-apocalyptic um, African uh, fantasy, magical fantasy stuff going on. It's, it's, it's an interesting <laughs> book. It's a good premise. It's, it's pretty good. Um, but it, it really caught me out. I was like, yeah, but I want them to do something. I want them to actually do rather than it's just like, oh, now you're in magic school. And, you know, this happens a lot in a lot of things. Where there's fantasy. Right. We've got to work out how do the spells work and what's mm. possible with the spells and where you do this and what magic is available. And, you know, and they do through, go and they learn how to do the magic. And often oh, when I've read these books before, I'm always like, yeah, but there's not a story happening now. You know what I mean? It's just introducing. It's in, just like, in oh, the and this is how the magic works, yeah. and then they go here and they talk to this person, and learn that more. And it was in that kind of stage, and I was like, yeah, but let's get the let's get the story going. And then the story started. And I'm like, mm. yeah, not so much. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but hopefully, I'll finish that up uh, on this next trip. I've, I've got a trip next week weekend, so I'll definitely finish that then because I'm I'm over halfway through. But it's weird when I just kind of get halfway through a book and then hit a wall and then just can't get the like can't get the enthusiasm to like carry mm. on with a book um which is a pity because i've already invested seven hours in this book <laughs> uh-huh. uh, one full jesse and then you ran out of steam yeah. see? but the point is the 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 story like if they'd have just ended the story about then i'd have been like oh that was a really interesting story about a girl growing up and she happens to have magical powers and she goes through this you know it kind of felt like it was wrapping up at that point or it could wrap up at that point and then she's like and now let's head out into the world and she head out into the world and you've got a band of people together heads out into the world and i'm like oh i kind of really only i, I realized i only cared about her with her struggles in that town where she was growing up or in that village where she was growing up and when she left that village i'm like oh, i don't really uh, well now the uh, don't really care <laughs> you know? maybe it needs maybe it needs to be restructured you know that's how the odyssey does it right right in the middle of the action is when the story starts yeah. and go for a while and then you go back to the beginning and then you finish it off right well i don't it's know I, th- I, th- I think i'll just push through it's probably going to get good again but there was just like this like this big there's this section in the middle where like and now let's go out into the desert and i was like great <laughs> <laughs> They get a party together, and I don't know. It's one of those weird. I've got, I've got one more uh, nonfiction book that I, I've been reading. Oh, go on then, do nonfiction book. Yeah, so this one I'm, I'm less enthusiastic about. Um, it's by a guy I really enjoyed his other book that I read. Um, the other book I read is called The Most Powerful Idea in the World: uh, A Story of Steam, Industry, and Invention, and it's uh, by William Rosen. That book I, I wrote a review of, I guess, years and years ago. And it's about how basically steam engines came into existence and how they how they uh, iterated into more and more powerful machines so that eventually you don't just have them fixed pumping out mines to get coal, but you have them on trains and even eventually in cars, right? Um, steam power is amazing and it's almost completely not used today, but uh, it's... It was in, incredibly tied to um, 
to trademark or not trademark um and not copyright what's the third one trademark copyright and uh i, I don't know patent patents oh patents it was tied oh, okay. up in patents and and the uh innovation of you know what is too what's too long a patent what's too short a patent and that it it really looks at how um in england the steam or britain the steam engine really took off and why it took off and, it, and it's a very interesting look at that piece of history starting in the 17th or uh, 16th century and working its way up into the 20th uh so the latest book that i read uh by him just about finished is called The Third Horseman, uh, Climate Change and the Great Famine of the 14th Century. And because it's about climate change and it's about history, I thought, oh, this should be interesting. And, you know, we've all heard about uh, all the plagues of, that have suffered through Europe, but uh, the Great Famine of the 14th Century, what caused it? And I was interested, but the problem with this book, uh, other than the narrator having to pronounce a lot of names he doesn't know how to pronounce, has to go back and record <laughs> all the sections. You know, there's a lot of names uh, you know, of very, you know, various European leaders and place names. Yeah, from the 14th he had, century. <laughs> didn't know what he was getting into, I think, when he started reading it, because it's incredibly dense with that stuff. Other than that problem, which it's not unmanageable. Yeah. Um, William Rosen has to deal with basically the records that are kept uh, in the 14th century to, to today of what the weather was like. And they weren't really good at telling you what, you know, like they didn't have barometers there. They didn't have thermometers going. So it ends up mostly being a record of of the families and how, how you know, the various um, literate families of Europe, the kings and queens and dukes and papes, uh, popists. Po- popes, not popists, um, monks, were dealing with you know the fact that half of their uh, tax revenue is gone because half the people are dead, yeah, or half uh, half of this uh, nation is completely frozen over, or the Baltic's frozen over, and it, it isn't as much about climate change uh, as I would like it to be because I don't think it was possible for him to you know find the record of the actual temperatures. Um, we have senses, you know, like the f- crop failed that year and the year after. Yeah. Right. And so you people, know it's bad, um, but you don't know what you know the temperature it's real was bad. overall. Yeah. And there's some am- amazingly striking things that I'd never heard of before in the book that made it worth reading, even though I would not say it's as good as it should be if we had an ideal record keeping. Yeah. Um, one of the things that um, you see in the book is very detailed is. You know, how how hungry were the people? Well, they ate almost every horse in England. They ate almost everything that was possibly moving on, on the roads of Ireland. It was so bad that people went to the graveyard and dug up their ancestors and ate what was left in their skulls. Uh, it what? Was, exactly. Uh. It was so bad that uh, they, you know, it was like the apocalypse, basically. It, it was so bad. It was so incredibly bad when you don't have harvests for two years in a row, and the previous year was a mm. bad harvest before that. Um, that yeah, there's nothing right. The, the the rich can escape a little bit by getting on a ship, but even you know if the crew is unable to move because of weakness. It's it's a big problem. So um, <laughs> it makes climate change scary, but also um, because we don't have you know temperature records 
it's less about that than it is about the starvation. And, yeah. and that was unfortunate. I mean, he, he, what he does is he says the reason that this famine happened, this great 14th century famine happened, yeah. was because of climate change. And I think his argument is pretty good because what records he does use um, show that, you know, when it, it rains for uh, two summers in a row and the temperatures uh, on an average day would have been well above freezing uh, the previous year and now are well below freezing, um, there's, some, there's some sort of uh, connection. But it's, it's, it's not as awesome as I would like. Yeah, you thought, oh, because the weather was like this, this happened. And because the weather was like that, yeah. that happened. But it doesn't do that all the way through. It just says, it, well, the weather was bad. And now lots of stories about people eating well, grains. Exactly. So right. it, it is more of a record of, of the famine yeah. than it is yeah. of the climate, the climate change. change. How many jesses is this? Uh, I would say it's one and a half or so. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, 10, 11 maybe hours. two at most. Yeah. Yeah. About that. Nine hours, maybe. I was just thinking like, because we, when we went to Iceland this summer, um, we were also, I, I watched some fun, oh, some fun, some interesting documentary about um, the big uh, volcano eruption in the mm-hmm. 80s. It was like 1738 yeah, or something like that. 18th yeah. century. And um, yep. how that caused like a, uh, Two thirds of Great Britain to die. <laughs> like, yep, that's that's tied well, into it. Right? Yeah, all the crops yeah, that just yeah, died everything. off there. So you? when you talk about 14th century uh, global weather things, it might be that there was just uh, a volcano eruption somewhere, but we just don't know about it because there are no records mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. Right. Well, well yeah, they can no, there are mentioned. They are mentioned. Um, the, there is such things in the book. Um, and, you know, there's one that's super famous that everybody knows about probably is the year without a summer uh, was the summer that Mary Shelley started Frankenstein, right? Yeah. It was it was uh, a dark and stormy summer, right, mm-hmm. where they're in the mountains of, uh, of Switzerland and nobody goes out even though it's the summer because it's raining all the time and it's overcast and – it's because of a massive explosion on the other side of the planet that's filled the atmosphere with yeah. with particulates Ashes. that yeah. Krakatoa. Yep. No, Krakatoa. Exactly. No. Was it Krakatoa? Something like Krakatoa. Yeah. No, I don't think it was Krakatoa. Krakatoa okay. is eighteen hundred, uh, uh, late eighteen hundred, oh, okay. eighteen eighty or something. But it's that th- there are these geological um, yeah. explanations, but also there's just the the swinging of the pendulum, right? Once you start, you know, once you start seeing a pattern in in weather, it can start oscillating more and more Mm. so that I mean, it's incredibly complex. But um, looking at history, we're not in great shape (laughs) just because uh, the thing is, is for 400 years before the story of this 14th century famine started, they had an unseasonably awesome centuries of, <laughs> yeah. of nice, warm, you know, conducive weather. Yeah, that, then, that just, just doesn't get mentioned. Yeah, like, well, that was the thing when, like, they go, oh, the um, the Vikings went across to Iceland and then others went across to Greenland and they settled in Greenland. They're like, well, how did they settle in Greenland? It's like, well, they settled in Greenland at the time when they had about two centuries of really nice weather in Greenland. Yeah. And, then, and there was a lot of green there. Yeah, it was, yeah. It, it was green. And then the, and then it turned back to, like, normal. normal or, you know, this yeah. kind of thing <laughs> happened and there was a, a few a few summers without sun and then that's it. Then Then they don't live there anymore, you know. Um, so, guys, just yeah. to, to just to know what you're talking about, it was in 1816 yeah. when there was the year without a summer, and yeah, it was because right. of the volcano Mount Tambora yeah. in mm. 
uh, the Dutch Indonesia? East Indies at the time. Ah, okay. Pretty good. Right. I've got a few things, uh, a few books that I want to mention quickly because mm-hmm. I thought, well, I'll look at my wish list and what the more recent things that I've added to my wish list. Um, and there's a few of them. One is called Updraft, The Bone Universe, book one by Fran Wilde. Do you know this book, Jesse? I've heard of Fran Wilde. I don't know this book, though. Uh, okay. I think this was, I think I added to this because uh, I added it at the same time as I added the fifth season. So it's a book from this year or last year. I think it was a Hugo nominated book, but um, I've not. I've not read it, but I'm just saying that's in my to read list. Um, even if I haven't actually bought the audiobook, Deepness in the Sky, which Juliana also has as an audiobook. So, mm-hmm. so once Juliana starts that and finishes it, then I will also start <laughs> it. When no, when Juliana's on the second to last chapter, I will start that audiobook, and we should finish it around about the same time, and then we'll do that <laughs> podcast about it. Did you both read A Fire Upon the Deep already? Yes. Uh, yeah, I've read I've read all these books before, but this is new for Juliana. And the other book which I have here in the th- in um. Uh, where is it? Oh, yeah, here it is. Um, the Bone Clocks by uh, David Mitchell. Which you we have it with bones. Well, yeah, so a lot of bone stuff, I guess, at the moment, yeah. Uh, this is, oh, the, oh, yeah, The Bone Universe. This is The Bone Clocks uh, by David Mitchell. I, we both actually really enjoyed his uh, his book. Uh, what was it? The um, Cloud Atlas. Cloud Atlas. And, uh, and this is meant to be uh, good as well. So I'll probably get to that at some point. I'm not sure if it's science fiction or not, but, you know, David Mitchell convinced me to read another one of his books by that first book. The only book I've read by him, actually, but I'll definitely get to another one. And that's a more recent uh, release. I think last year it came out. So those are just a few books. If people are wondering, like, oh, what, what might Luke be reading in the future? That's, those are some of the things I might be reading in the future from my Audible wish list. Mm. I know I've yeah. got uh, some comics here I want to mention, and I think some of these will be uh, at least semi-interesting for you. And you said at least I finished on Twitter. Of I did these these things. So tell us about so, Kill or Be Killed. Yeah, so uh, there's this book, Kill or Be Killed, by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. These guys have been doing comics together through Image Comics uh, for probably ten years now. They started, I think, with a series called Criminal. And they're, they're very smart. Unlike DC and Marvel, where they, they're now yearly rebooting their, their heroes. You know, they, they set it to go for a year, and then the sales start dropping off after the 12th issue. So, hey, let's restart it. Number 001, right? Uh, bad idea. These guys, they say, you know what? We will restart a new series instead of just bringing old characters in. And so they've got a series called Criminal that's finished. A series called Fatal, which is finished, and they're all sort of similar in that they're uh, usually they're period. They're set in some, you know, they're set in Hollywood or they're set in New York or they're set yeah. in some place, and and they're sort of crime or superhero, slightly superhero-y or supervillainy. Um, in this case, it's a pretty interesting premise. This is the new one: Kill or Be Killed. Is uh, there's this guy. He's got a job. He's got a, a roommate, and his roommate has a girlfriend. Um, he's cheating on his roommate with his roommate's girlfriend. But that's not the most interesting part of the story. He also seems to be uh, possessed by a demon <laughs> that is making him kill people. If he doesn't kill people, the demon will kill him. And he's trying to be ethical about the fact that he's possessed by a demon. So he tries to find people that should be killed. 
um, <laughs> which is pretty hard. But he also knows it, it might be, you know, there's something wrong with his mind because that demon doesn't seem reasonable. <laughs> yeah. But he sees it in the mirror and it says, I'm going to kill you unless you kill someone. So is it really that? Or is it just, a, is it just did he get knocked on the head or does he have a brain tumor? Or is it, uh, is there we're like... only three issues in. So, it's, uh, so you it's, don't know if it's, it's a not... real demon yet or if it's a, a, a brain demon. Right, but the art is incredible. Sean Phillips is a great artist, as you can see by the the cover art. He's he's terrific, and Ed Brubaker, um, he's a very good uh, writer. He's not my favorite, but he's he's amongst them, um, and he's uh, apparently uh, co-scripting that new Westworld uh, TV HBO show. Okay, you guys have heard of that? Um, so that's Killer Be Killed. There's also two Hard Case Crime comics just started. Now, Hard Case Crime is a, a amazing uh, paper book publisher of noir and crime and uh, detective uh, uh, paperbacks, um, and they've been going for probably ten years now. But they do great cover art for every issue of their of their books, and um, some of the authors, uh, at least one of the authors, is uh, doing their comic now. So w- one of them is called Peepland. The other is called Triggerman. These are the first two hard case crime comics. And uh, Krista Faust, who is I've read in uh, her uh, her prose novel, um, is doing the Peepland, and she's a great writer. She's um, she had her novel was. Uh, I can't remember what the title was, but her novel from Hard Case Crime was, um, I think it was a prostitute who gets caught up in a um, uh, criminal organization and can't turn to the police because they think that she's a, you know, a criminal. Um, and so she ha- she fi- starts hanging out with a, uh, I don't know, like an MMA style guy, <laughs> you know, what? Uh, Mixed martial arts. Yeah, one of those, you know, a UFC sort of guy, you know. Um, and they basically solve the mystery that's plaguing why somebody's trying to kill somebody or something. And it was a long time ago I read that, but I'm looking forward to reading through these. The the, the art in here is pretty good. I just looked. In up, addition, I looked up Krista Faust on, mm-hmm. uh, and then I looked at a Wikipedia page. Novelate, novelizations and media tie-ins. She wrote the Snakes on a Plane novel ah. novelization. I, I haven't read that. Isn't that a, a, a movie? Yeah, snake uh, novelization is you get a movie and you get the script Alvin and maybe after Foster the movie's coming, then you write a book. So when people go, oh, I'm looking for a book in a in a uh. in a in a supermarket, or I'm looking for a book in a in a you know when they're getting on a plane, they're like, ah, snakes on a plane, uh-huh. you know, and they do it. <laughs> she wrote the Final Destination three novelization, which <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh, the one I read by her is Money Shot. Um, That's which, one of oh her, yeah, uh, no. yeah. It was a porn. She was in the. It was a porn uh, star who right. was the main character in that. I was gonna say money shots. That kind of makes sense. So. Yeah, no, that, that brings it back to mind. Um, and it won uh, best original paperback when it came out. It, um, is this? Uh, is is that? Uh, is her one? Well, let me have a look at the name of it. Uh, Peepland is Peepland. Is that mm-hmm. Image Comics as well? Are these all Image Comics? Uh, these are t- those. Um, it's got a Hard Case Crime imprint on it. It's all by Titan Comics. There's a whole. This is a really th- cool thing about comics as opposed to other print industries. Is you know how uh, the media conglomerates of HarperCollins and Penguin are all sort of merging together and yeah. and sinking into the 
into a morass of debt and death spiral. Yeah, and there's only actually three thing. companies. Magazines. Yeah, they all each other. Yeah. I, they're all dying. Magazines, newspapers, um, everything that's associated with print is dying, except for comics. Comics is where things continue to – there's new publishers all the time, and they're coming up with really innovative, cool stuff. And what was the type of comic you were just talking about? The image. So these – what was that? What's the, what is that? What is that difference to graphic novels? Okay, so a graphic novel is basically uh, collected floppies, right? Comics are floppies. They're thi- you know their binding is like, like they're still kind of, printed on yeah. cheaper paper yeah. and yeah. They're, they're more like, you know, when you buy a newspaper, not newspaper print, but, you know, newspapers, yeah, like the, it's the not the same quality of paper. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's Not like, anymore. Their quality of paper is very high now. Yes, I'm just saying, but, but, like, that's where the name floppies comes from. It's the same way when, they, when, you, uh, talk about, yeah, when you talk about pulp floppy, novels, right? you know, pulp yeah. stories and pulp novels. It was because they were printed on the cheapest possible paper, you know. All right. Like, yeah. recycled. So graphic novels is a new new sort of idea, and... I, I don't like that word because it's basically uh, people who don't like comics saying, I'm not writing comics, I'm writing graphic novels. Um, at the comic book store, they don't call them graphic novels. They call them uh, trades, trade paperbacks, you know, hardcovers, uh, if they're collected. There are some comics that are written to be in a hardcover or a trade paperback from the start. Yes, yeah, so but they're not, they're most not written. comics are not that way. They're not written Sex. for an, an issue like... 24 pages in the issue or something they're written to be 140 pages right. long from the beginning but that's okay. incredibly rare right that's yeah. that's incredibly rare and that's like so v for vendetta is not that it people call it a graphic novel but it was a serial right um the uh one you guys read saga that is collected into uh you know graphic novel format in the like it's volumes. Big, yeah big we volumes right yeah we but they are five. Uh, they are sold individually at the store for yeah. you know five bucks each. We read it as uh, that's, that's Image Comics as well, isn't it? So mm-hmm. Image is a big company. Ah, uh, okay. So there's a, a couple more I wanted to mention. One is um, uh, from IDW. That's another of these relatively new publishers. Um, Archangel. Uh, this is up to issue three, and this is uh, William Gibson, who we all know from from Neuromancer and Virtual Light and a dozen other science fiction novels writing a alternate uh, no not alternate alternate universe story with time travel mm-hmm. where people fucked up our universe and so right before our universe is basically I don't know disappearing into a a quantum bubble or something they made a copy of our universe um, that went back to 19, uh, 1940 and they sent people back in time to that copy universe. And so it's it's set during World War II, but the people who are uh, running the show, in or the protagonists in it, are from a, a near future of ours. And uh, it's very interesting. <laughs> it, d- it doesn't sound like a typical William Gibson thing. Um, Why is but there I'm this very... half-naked woman on the cover? Because it's um, that's to sell comics, my dear. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm kind of a little bit offended by the like the the photo you sent me. It's like four of them have men on it, which are all covered, have all wearing clothes, and then you have three of them where they have like women in their underwear. <sighs> uh, yeah. That's to sell comics. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think that that's actually in in the uh, in the. Uh, th- there's a bunch of variant covers. Um, that was the one that was available for me at uh, my comic book store. But 
But you know, um, this, this is, is the kind of stuff yeah. that oh, that would no, no. There is oh. actually. I'm looking inside. Um, there is actually a woman. Uh, that woman, she, she's wearing a jacket though. On above that bra, <laughs> inside. But, unfortunately, not on the cover. Yeah. But this is the kind not of stuff on the that cover. Avoid me, like I, I would just not buy this. Yeah, you make you avoid it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I found. But just, that's okay. When they make the graphic novel version, yeah. they'll put you know a more sedate cover on it. I, it's well, not about. It's like, not. It's not so much. Yeah. That, that I don't. I, I have no problem with naked people, but I just don't like it that it's mainly the women who are like then always exposed. Yeah. I. Uh, I. A few uh, uh, two summers ago or something, there was the Comicsology free summer comic reading or whatever it was. So I just went through mm-hmm. and, and uh, c- got these copies like these of lots of like f- first or second like f- first few. Uh, issues of these different stories, isn't that giving them away for free? And some mm. other, you know. So I went through and started reading them, and it was impressive how it just seems to be expected or accepted in the comics world that women all have massive boobs and tight fitting. And even these stories, which I was like, this has got like there is literally nothing sexy about this character, or there is no reason to have anything sexy or sexist or anything like this in this book, you know. But just the way the women's boobs were drawn, I was just like, this is incredible. Like, it, well, like often it's, not it's, it's a lot better than it used to be. But yeah. I will point out that um, you will find in most comics, and I don't read most comics, you'll notice that none in the picture have anything to do with superheroes. Yeah. Um, uh, it, most uh, superhero comics are exactly the same for the men. Now, maybe less skin is shown, but you see every ab. Yeah. Um, you might not see their testicles through their... Uh, you know, but you might as well under ruse. But yeah, but yeah I mean, it, 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 they are it, the medium. Uh, it's really interesting. Comics uh, developed out of the physical culture uh, sort of um, societies that were around at the turn of the nineteenth, uh, turn of the twentieth century. Yeah, there was like these, you know, it's, it's people an pumping and dancers is what you. Yeah, exactly, and and the very first, you know superheroes that are in the proper comics, not like the comic strips, they were coming out of this idea of, of uh, you know, let's go to the gym and pump up our muscles and make them big. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, uh, I would say that that, that um, phenomenon is... Uh, it's still is there. Because yeah. It's still there. And, you know, the majority of people who buy comics are men. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, what I liked so much about Saga... Was that the all the figures like even though there is this this uh, character with the uh, ten well, arms and one body and like she has all yeah, the this, Spider this, Woman, this, yeah, Spider Woman, yeah. Like even though of this, it's never like you never think like oh this is like a bit ooh uh, yeah too much and and the the main characters are very normal yeah you know they're not like, <laughs> over bloated. But the thing is, it was weird because it was like looking and, and set, that was kind of an interesting thing with reading Saga is that the people looked like human beings. Yes. But they were like they, the the language was really bad in some cases, and it was explicitly about sex. Like there was actually pictures of people having sex. Yeah, and, it and felt, like and it orgies felt, and uh, yeah, and, but it felt you know there's, yeah, there's an orgy planet and there's you know child <laughs> rape and all these different kind of things going on there. But as I was as you look through the pictures, as you actually look at the images, there's never a moment where i'm thinking 
um, this woman's boobs, like why are this woman's boobs so big? Even if I'm looking at a pair of naked boobs for that scene, you know, it, it, I don't know. It's just one of those things that like it. Well, that's that's that one's drawn by a woman, I believe. Yeah, but why should um, that mean? Why should that matter? Like, why is it being drawn? Like, like I don't even want to say it's about women or not. It's just like why? Uh, anyway, I don't want to go into it, but yeah. I just thought Juliana so, mentioned that yes, but, there were yes. four men on the on this image that you sent us, um, all fully clothed. And then Even three the guy women, who's like, and two like of them are mounted showing... by a half-naked woman. Okay, so that that, that is actually less about comics than it is about about the 1960s paperbacks because Hard Case Crime is uh, reviving uh, those 1960s styles covers. Yeah, but where... why put the naked? Like why? Like because that's part of the that's part of the iconography. <sighs> yeah, but like um, if you're gonna bring back it, oh, it's historical, so we're doing it like this. Yeah, well, owning slaves was historical, but like <laughs> we're not gonna go. Oh, let's bring. You know, you you don't bring. Like why bring back the the negative sex like owning slaves stuff along with it doesn't tend to owning slaves doesn't tend to titillate. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe it does for some, but I, I'm I. W- I would. I don't want to get into politics, but I would probably disagree with you in some <laughs> cases in that way. Um, the the uh, the idea of having power over somebody, uh, I think, is is very strong. Uh, uh, anyway, I don't want to get into that. I'm sorry, sorry for starting this topic, but this no, kind okay. of asked for it. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, I I want to point out that there's some uh, other ones here. There's two others that I want to point to. One is uh, an anthology uh, comic called Cinema Purgatorio. This is um, a combination of different artists and authors working together in one book. And so each issue you get another installment of each of those series. Um, this It's up to issue six. Uh, Alan Moore is, um, you know, the most famous. Second is Garth Ennis. And then third, I would say, is Max Brooks. And I read all three of those uh, and sort of don't really look at the others other than to say, yeah, not for me. Um, but you're talking about the, the Dreaming Eagles, there? Uh, no, it's called Cinema Purgatory. It's, it's got sort of a bottom. black and white. Oh, all right. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. Now, what's interesting is uh, Alan Moore is doing something very, very meta with regard to um, his section. It's it's about going to the movie theater and the experience of that, and he's also sort of retelling the history of cinema in his section of this book. And so in this particular issue, for example, it's the history of, of Warner Brothers, the actual movie studio and the, and the people who were the quote-unquote Warner Brothers, um, but doing it uh, through the uh, lens of the Marx Brothers. And if you know a little bit about the history or a lot about the history of, of uh, Warner Brothers, um, it's a monstrous story. Um, and so... Alan Moore's doing something that, that you know is going to be well well studied later on. I'm less familiar with the um, with this particular story of the Warner Brothers, so I'm not sure how much I understood of what's going on in this particular issue. Uh, but it's it's good stuff because the stuff that I have seen uh, that I understood, I'm like, oh my god, this guy's uh, he's that's why he's Alan Moore. He's great. Um, so uh, it's kind of a strange thing to have an anthology uh, series in comics. The Garth Ennis um, series is a comedic um, monster universe. Uh, it's pretty funny. But actually, perhaps the most interesting in this is actually the Max Brooks. Um, and you guys might know him. He wrote uh, World War Z. We, you, I saw the movie. 
Me too. Okay. I I saw the movie as well, but I hear the the audiobook was terrific, and now I kind of regret not having. I didn't manage to get more than a chapter into the audiobook. It okay. really didn't grow. I actually really enjoyed the movie. I thought the movie not amazing movie. And people go not really delayed. It is the thing, right? Was that? <laughs> It's the, it basically took the the title and that's it. Uh, to be honest, that's, that's fine for me. Yeah, you know. In any case, he's he's a really you know he's the son of Mel Brooks, but uh, and he has a good sense of humor. But he's actually really interested in history. And in this case, this the piece he's doing is he's he's telling the Battle of Gettysburg and the Civil War, uh, American Civil War. But um, as slowly revealed through the first few issues, um, it turns out that they're not actually fighting the South. And they're not fighting the North. It's the South and the North fighting against an alien invasion. So it's um, kind of an alternate history kind of thing. Right. It's an alternate history, but uh, because he has all the personalities and they're so well, you know, Americans know the Civil War. That's one thing they really know. And and Max Brooks is a historian who teaches at, you know, the military school at West Point. Um, he does an amazing job of, you know, integrating a whole bunch of real personalities into uh, this. And I, I think it might be uh, a very, very good piece. I've read some of his other comics as well. And um, I'm yes. looking forward to that. So can I ask, this is an anthology, mm-hmm. why are these stories brought together? Like, why, why are these ones being collected? Yeah. Is there a theme or what, what's going on? Well, uh, there was a Kickstarter. Um, uh, Alan Moore is, you know, he's a name in comics. And he also is a guy who doesn't like um, giving money to... Uh, big evil corporations um, who steal his his content in order to um, you know enrich themselves and fuck the author and the artist. So uh, this started as a, a Kickstarter, and then it did well enough that it brought uh, the issue into the first issue into being. Um, it's published through Avatar Press, which is one of those these comics that are a lot of new comics starting up that are the creator owned. So the publisher publishes it, they get money, but any subsequent publications, it's owned by the artist and the author, right? It's not like it's work for hire as it is for DC and Marvel. You know, like if you if you think about, uh, if you guys have been watching on Netflix, uh, Jessica Jones or um, Daredevil or the new one. Um, we are four Cage. episodes from the end of Luke Cage at the moment. We'll right. watch a bit more of that tonight, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So there's a bunch of like six guys credited for Luke Cage, right? Um, none of those guys get money, right? They, Even got, though paid, they, they got paid at the time, but later They got on. paid at the time, work for hire, right? But uh, subsequently, uh, you know, Luke Cage has become a big deal. Back in the 1970s, you know, he wasn't much of a big deal. But uh, yeah. In comics, th- that's why there's a lot of new, interesting innovation happening. And uh, this, I, I, I think... See. Yeah, I get it. Because if, if you wrote Guardians of the Galaxy and they're like, great, but that was like a minor comics and then it becomes one of the biggest movies of the year. You don't get... You get nothing. You get nothing you get more. Credit. You get credits for like characters created by dot, dot, dot. Exactly. But nobody is like, oh, we've got to pay you um, licensing every yeah, or time. Yeah, a percent or something. Yeah, every know. time we do a movie, new movie, you get another, you know, whatever it's going to be. The percentage right. or whatever for for your creations here. Yeah. That's hard. Well, it's it business, I guess. Eh, well, that's why the business is changing. Yeah, and, yeah, of course. Yeah. You totally understand why people want to go independently or, or keep their own creations. Yeah. So, um, in in the final one, I've got a big hardcover from a publisher called Aftershock. This is another creator-owned comic, and um, Garth Ennis and Simon Colby uh, tell the story called Dreaming Eagles. 
It's a, I think it's a six issue miniseries, and it's um, the if you guys have seen the movie Red Tails, it's sort of a Stephen King film that nobody liked. Nope. Um, oh no, it's Stephen King, Steven Spielberg movie. Um, it's about uh, the Tuskegee Airmen. Um, who, uh, you know, the black American... Oh, yes, yes, I do pilots. know it. I've not seen it, though. Yeah, um, and this is... Uh, it's actually set in the 60s with the father telling the son uh, about what he did in the war and what that man- means for the son's present fight, which is, uh, you know, he wants to support what Martin Luther King is saying um, going out in the streets, but he doesn't want his son to get, you know, killed yeah. because... The anti-counter-protests, right? Understandably. And and the art is incredible. Um, a guy named Francesco Francavia does the cover, as you can see. It's uh, very colorful. He's got a real style to it. And the interior art is all by Simon Colby. And it's 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 real pretty inside. But um, what I love most about Garth Ennis at, when he does this uh, historical stuff is he, again, is a lover of history. He is, Most of the time, there's a big, big bibliography in the back where, you know, I read this book and I read this book and I read this book. And then in this case, there isn't a bibliography, but there is a uh, an afterword in which he talks about which characters are real and what incidents are real. Yeah. Um, and his his typical way of doing, and he does a lot of uh, war comics, um, is to read up a ton about the history and then tell a story with fictional characters that will... Uh, give you some of the sense of what it was like. Yeah, like than, composite characters and yep, reference characters, yep. yeah. And uh, it's it's another one of these great um, war comics that he's done. Uh, the, the one I recommend to Eric that he just finished reading um, is called The Night Witches. And that's um, about the female bomber pilots in the Soviet Union during World War II. And how they, you know are flying World War One era aircraft to bomb uh, Nazi trenches um, uh, at night. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, it's just amazing storytelling because it's telling you real things in a visual way um, that you, you don't see that in any kind of other, I mean, you can, you can read a, a paper book, or you can listen to an audio book, but you don't visually see what it looks like. Yeah. And, that's because there's no, you know, what little camera footage there is, it, you know, doesn't really survive or tell the whole story. Cool. I would love to see a movie about the Nachtexen, the night witches. Mm-hmm. I, I, think, I, read, I, think, I read quite a few stories about them, you know, there's different things uh, about them. There was actually a, a recent comic, which I can't remember what it was. It was an online comic was sort of like, you know, famous women that you should have heard of but haven't heard of. And one mm-hmm. of them was one of these... Uh, people did you did i show you that one no, I can't no. and uh, there's also a character i think it's a uh, in oh talking uh was it the harry Tur- harry turtle dove world war uh series which is also alternate history and one of the characters mm-hmm. there is one of these uh russian female russian pilots who uh gets involved in different adventures when aliens in- invade during the second world war um, yeah. So yeah, I'd love to actually see some more stories of those. Like, like you say, to actually see them in real, like to really see them rather than just, you know. Uh, yeah, just having names and yeah. dates is not the same thing as, um, and it, when when somebody really does their research, you know, they're not just flying off the cuff. Yeah. Um, you can tell, and it yeah. it makes a big difference. Yeah. Cool. 
Um, Julian, have you got another uh, book or anything in the future that you you had a, a list of things that you're going to get to? What do you think you're going to get to next? Because you had lots of audiobooks on your new iPhone, which has got lots of space for as many audiobooks yeah. as you want. Well, I have two series that I'm. Uh, I started one of them to li- to listen to one of them um, recently, which is called the SPQR, the mm. Senatus Populusque Romanus, uh, which is a series by John Maddox Roberts which is uh, about a guy who lives in ancient Rome who's like who becomes kind of like a, a detective kind of solving crime, oh, okay. solving murders. Again, this kind of stuff. Historical criminal Historical fiction. Historical criminal fiction. And then there's another one which is kind of like like similar. It's also historical um, crime, criminal cases. But it's a, it's a, a fun series by uh, Elizabeth Peters. Uh, and uh, these are the um, Amelia Peabody um uh, mm-hmm. books which is really really cool i really really like that kind of stuff it's um it's a it's a very independent woman in the 1920s uh she she goes to egypt and uh, does digging and uh finding finding out that every time there's a murder happen and uh it, it looks like oh the mummies the, the curses and they it's all like um it's, the superstitious it's Scooby-Doo. people yeah it's Scooby-Doo. It's go- and also it's like you know the movie the mummy yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it it kind of like these books feel kind of like this and Indiana Jones mixed together, and mm-hmm. it's some very very yeah. fun stuff. And uh, as I said before, it's a, it's a very um, independent woman. She's married when she's in her thirties, and yeah. then she goes to Egypt and meets this w- weird man, this very strong kind of grumpy man. And then they marry and get have kids. And As the books it, continue, it, it goes on and yeah, on and yeah. on, and then it transitions toward to to the children of them. Yeah, but she's always around. Is this an ebook series? That you, is it? You're it's, reading them in? No, this is this would be audiobook. uh, audiobooks. Uh, okay, but I read most of the books yeah. as as paper books right. before. Um, but as new ones come out now, you can do audiobooks. They're not new ones really coming out. She oh, died okay. in 2013. Okay, so I guess um, no new books. N- I'm not so sure if they are like kind of like looking into her notes and publishing new yeah. books after her death. But um, yeah, but I, I thought uh, I just come back to these books because they're English audiobooks. And I thought, oh, well, I just listen to them because I know kind of what's going on. Yeah. I have uh, one more book that I might get to. Now, this, what happened here? Let me just bring up um, uh, the, oh, I found it. Here we go. Books I would like to see reviewed. Uh, this is the a thread on the SFF audio podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, not no. SFBRP listener discussions group on um, on Goodreads. On Goodreads. So it's Goodreads SFBRP. This is a science fiction book review podcast, which is my podcast, which Juliana comes on sometimes. And um, so uh, let me just go through some recent comments. Here we go. Page seven of this discussion. Comments number 350. This is why people dump books that they, book suggestions. So people say, Alistair Reynolds has a new book out. All I know, it's got space pirates, the best kind of pirates. And then mm-hmm. other people say, yes, you should read it. But somebody said, I said, it's not out as an audiobook yet. Um, and then someone says, why I think you should not read Revenger by Alistair Reynolds. No spoilers, and it, and it goes through other reasons. And somebody else says, totally agree, although Luke's rant episodes are fun. Here's my rant review of Revenger. And he put a link there. I've not read that review. Um, and then someone else says, I just did my first ever return on Audible for Revenger. Got four hours in and couldn't carry on. And someone says, and Christian says, okay, so now Luke has to read it. And I said, I will not read this book. However... 
um, I got a review copy of this book from you. Me? Yeah. Because I was like, well, it's not out in my, in whatever combination of German licensing of English audiobooks <laughs> that I have in my Audible account. Audible.com. Uh, on my Audible.com. Whatever, however it's worked out with that licensing means that I have to wait six months for them to work out the licensing of this book for, so I can spend a credit on it. Um, anyway, so, uh, but now you I might, have it. Now I have it, so it anyway. I might give it a go. But now I'm give really it a shot. Nervous. I'm really nervous because this is the problem. I mean, Alistair Reynolds, some of my favorite science fiction books of all time, but recently not like his recent books I mean, are okay, but not as high level. And if it's going downhill and it's, it's really difficult when someone gets like a $1 million or $1 million pound book deal to write 10 books in 10 years, you're just thinking, well, what, <laughs> what books are you doing? You know, like what, I don't know. These books have been pre-bought. They were bought in a, in a lump 10 books for a million pounds. You're like, okay, that sounds like a good deal. But is it a good deal? I don't know. Is it a good deal for the reader is the question. Yeah, it's a good deal for the publisher because they tie up a good author and they know that we've got some series. It's a good deal for the, the writer and the publisher and the editor, all of that kind of stuff. It's just like, as a reader, do I, would I prefer... Uh, and this is always the thing. Do I prefer early books by authors or late books by authors and almost always the earlier books by the authors are better because they're fresh they're ideas that they've thought about a lot they're fresh writers they've they, got to work they tend to be shorter as yeah, well they're shorter they t well actually yeah i mean this is a, a much shorter book this is a shorter book by alistair reynolds than quite a lot of his big chunky books but i actually quite like the big chunkiness of, of alistair reynolds books as long as they're good books and not all of them are like there's this one book called crystal not crystals crystal not rain that's a different book that's tobias espichel uh something else uh, no century rain that's it that was it century rain and uh, I, it just didn't land with me at all and a few of his other books but no, i've been a bit like eh. so anyway um it's it's tricky because someone can be your favorite author but they your favorite author for for five of their books and they're not a favorite author for another five of their books. It just depends on what we yep. get here. I used to read Robert J. Sawyer religiously. Oh, don't go into No, he like had that. some really great early books. Yeah, I've not found any of them yet. Uh, there's one There's one that is out finally on uh, Audible, and it is called Golden Fleece. And I think it's a, I mean, as I remember it, yeah, it was the thing. terrific. That's it was a terrific mystery, a science fiction, hard science fiction uh, with a generation starship. I remember really enjoying some Larry Niven. Um, Oops. Uh, no, what was it? <laughs> Jerry Pornell, Larry Niven books. Yeah. And then I've gone back and read some of them. And they're just awesome. So again, it's one of those different kind of things. The books that you read when you're 15 or 16, you're like, oh, this is mind blowing. And then you read them again when you're 35. And you're like, this is literally some of the most sexist and racist material I've ever read. You know, I, I think you can set the uh, so I, I do plan on rereading uh, some old Larry Niven. And I think you can set aside the racism and sexism and still see good stuff in there because there is uh, protectors yeah, yeah. but it's protectors but how much can you enjoy that good stuff that's the thing how much can you enjoy reading a book when you're just like this is awful like why is it that literally black people are, are evil and are cannibals and the white people are good and you know because it, because of racism yes it is <laughs> yeah he's he's racist and sexist yes well yeah but that that i don't think means that the author can't, I mean, I, I also don't think he's a great prose stylist either. No. But uh, but I, what I do think is that he was a guy who was doing hard SF, well 
after most of the people who actually could do it did it, and well before most of the people who do it now did it. Yeah. It was and the only that stuff that was there at the time. Commodity. It was the, it was the best of the commodity. stuff that was there at the time. I don't think it stands up today, from what I've read. I, you know. Yeah, well, I, I would say, you know, Ringworld's not much of a plot either, but what's so amazing about it is it's amazing. <laughs> but you know, you know what? It, it really isn't in the end. It's, it is amazing the first time you read that, but indeed. when you actually consider stuff that other authors have done, like, like Ian M. Banks, when he writes about his orbitals and stuff like that, of course, they're not as big as Ringworld, but it's just more interesting because it's there in service of interesting characters and plot. Whereas Ringworld, it's like, well, there's a thing, and we better have like some really, really, really sexist stuff happening on it. And that's what it felt like, you know, hey, this is an interesting location. And now let's tell a story which is like some of the most demeaning storytelling about women I've ever read. You know, I actually didn't finish it. No, I mean, it was it's just not good. It's just it's it's really not good. And the the interesting space mechanics, it it, it doesn't it just. It doesn't negate the rest of it. I'm not saying that Robert J. Sawyer is is that is in the same classes. Well, he's not sexist and racist in the same way as Larry Niven, for no, sure. No, in different ways, probably. Yeah, no, in a much much more is that, is that the guy who hominids? Yeah, hominids. Yes, uh, much the more palatable. Most favorite he brand wrote, of people. He, he wrote he wrote hominids in where to get sympathy for a female character at the start. He has her raped, and then. That's handy later on when she needs sympathy. You're just like, really? Come on. Yeah, he's 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 not the greatest character, you know. <laughs> he, uh, but again, um, like Quantum, I, Quantum you know, Knight was the one that we. He, he's good at ideas, um, and I read for ideas. I, I agree that you know all the things that can be said negatively about Ringworld, for example, are they're all legitimate. They're they're all legit. Um, I mean. It, he he made he made a, a whole species in which the females are non sentient in yeah. order to make his point, which is girls don't know stuff and they're stupid and should shut up. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, is, that shows yeah, how how yeah. how he thought about it. Yeah, when you put exactly. it that way, it sounds even worse. <laughs> yeah, well, but that's how it is, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, but if that's how it good, is. If you have good ideas, you should just write them down and get the, give them to a person that actually can write in a yeah, in it a doesn't sh- work humane way. way. It's, I wanna I wanna talk about one on Juliana's list that uh, <laughs> replay uh, by Ken Grimwood. Ken what, what, yeah, why did you add that to your list? Because I I almost started reading that book a while ago, and for some reason never did. Oh, so that has uh, one reason that got recommended to me on Goodreads, uh, mm-hmm. also, and it came up l- just loads of times. Like yeah. it wasn't just one person. Have um, you, do do you do you know the story that the first fifteen lives of Harry August? No, I've never read it. Do you know, uh, have you read my first novel, Minding Tomorrow? I have not. Okay. (laughs) Well, in this case, replay is one which is in the same mold in that somebody can relive part of their life many times over. And replay is about that. It's about someone who can relive large sections of sections of his life and things like that. Yeah, you've read it, I assume. No, I haven't read it, but because oh. the, because my first novel Minding Tomorrow has a similar idea in it, which is less of a fantasy kind of way, more of a science fictiony kind of way. Um but uh, but because of that, people so many 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 people have recommended this to me. Really. Mm. But and after I read 15 first 15 lives for Harry August, I was like, oh, maybe I should read this as a companion. But I kind of want to put a bit of space in between them. So I'm not mm-hmm. just having the other books in my head, um, even well, though maybe I, we should do a read along next year. Maybe. 
Yeah, we could do it. We could do a SFBRP SF of audio crossover episode sure. where we all get. What do you think, Juliana? Is it, can you wait? Uh, replay by Ken Grimwood. Grin, Greenwood. Grimwood. I don't have it in front of Grimwood. me. But that's on my. That's in my Audible wish list as well. But I've not got to it. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. We can do it yeah. anytime you want. But like I say, let's uh, let's let Juliana get most of the way through first, and then we then we can <laughs> then we can start it. Cause it's the only book I've heard that he's ever done. I mean, uh, he probably did others. But yeah, I think he was a short story writer. Story. I mean, I've only read a bit about it because I don't want too many spoilers. But uh, this is this is what I know of that book and how many times it's been recommended to me. Yeah, yeah, I I. It's from the '80s, and it's. It, it, I know there's an audiobook release because I almost started listening to it. But well, the book that I have is actually uh, in German, so I'm. That'll be okay. I You'll get, get through it pretty quick. Yes, that'll be I fine. Would get through that quicker, and it's 11 hours. Jesse and a half. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. 